What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 90 of Land Parties from the Las Vegas Review Journal. I am your host, Lucas Agin, and joining me, as always, is my co-host, Ryan Smith. Ryan, how is your weekend, my friend? It has been fantastic. I have been grinding out uh, New World so hard. I am super enjoying it. I've talked about it. Is Amazon, you know, is their MMORPG? They've been working hard on that. I got to play some of the beta as well, and that's what convinced me to get it. I don't even really typically play MMOs, so that in itself was a huge step for me. It's a game that I feel like, I mean, I've been playing with friends. I'm fine playing it alone. I am absolutely loving it. So that's basically, you know what's what's good when I played like Zero Destiny and I only played that. That's how you know it's good. Uh, So it was fantastic. How was your weekend, brother? My weekend was good. Yeah, that is a good sign that a game is really good if they if it pried you away from your destiny raids. <laughs> yep. no, my weekend was good. I spent a lot of time with a couple games. Uh, I spent some more time with Diablo 2 Resurrected, uh, which um, overall thoughts is still the same. Like I love the atmosphere. Uh, it's fun to revisit that game. It's it's just a bit interesting, like in this day and age where you have a Mass Effect Legendary Edition uh, that mm. like goes all out with the package it puts together. There are parts to Diablo 2 that definitely feel dated these days. Uh, so I think like your enjoyment of that remake is going to be fully dependent on do you have fond memories of the way uh some systems in that game plays especially the combat Mm -hmm. or are you so used to some modern conveniences uh that that could detract because if it does you might want to skip that one the other game Mm -hmm. though that i was spending time with uh, i was having a lot of fun with and ties into our two guests uh so uh, i was playing some of death gambit afterlife which is amazing hard hard but amazing <laughs> and but let's just introduce our two guests both of them from white rabbit we are honored and excited to be joined by john uh and alex thank you both of you and congratulations on the launch of this fantastic game thank you <laughs> yeah it's been a wild ride <laughs> it's been insane I can imagine, you know, the, you guys both have a lot to be proud of with this game. The reception has been fantastic. And I just can't, I can't imagine like this feeling the post launch, especially when the reception's good, has got to be such a rewarding moment for both of you. Yeah. Especially after, you know, I think during the original release, we had, we had quite a bit of troubles. And so being able to get the chance to, uh, to do afterlife and be able to kind of make up for it with this. Uh, what is a free release for people who owned it originally makes us feel very proud and makes us feel, you know, amazing, especially now that we've seen the amazing reviews that it's gotten. We definitely feel like we, quote unquote, we did it. Um, so definitely mm-hmm. feeling good about it. Yeah, it was 100% a love letter to our original fans. And I'm glad that they've felt that, you know, <laughs> it's up to par. Perfect. And, and we can't wait to get into it. But before that, we just want to dive into a couple of quick topics. And the first one that, that pains me, Ryan, because of course they say the announcement's coming the day after we record. We're getting our final Smash character yesterday from the day that you're listening to this episode. So I guess 
Ryan future me goes, oh, wow, what a what a final character that was. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I am a huge Smash fan, so I have been loving just just all the support this game's been getting, and I'm looking forward to whoever they announce. Sora has been a very popular rumor. Uh, I'm I'm like still crossing my fingers, hoping and praying to see Master Chief. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah. Uh, who knows? But we'll see. Obviously, we will. We know now. So, what an announcement, Nintendo. Right, right. How, what how what has your relationship been with Smash? You know, it's you know, I when it when it first came out, I was really into it. This again for me is more of a fun game that I could play with my daughter. I could play, you know, when my nephew them are over, we can have battles and stuff like that. So like I know that there's a, a huge competitive scene here with it, but for me it's just about it's just about the fun of it and all the different characters from so many different, you know, I, I love the fact that they they span so many different uh, uh, characters from so many different games and universes and things like that. So that is, it, this is all about the fun for me. So it doesn't even, and, and here's the other thing too, and you're right. And people have been talking about Sora a lot and, and I'm not going to lie. I have, uh, Sora is from, what is that game? Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I have never played a Kingdom Hearts. So I'm just like, man. <laughs> I know people, I know people are super soaked about it. I've seen people with the uh the key sword and this and that, but it's just not a franchise that I ever played. So I'm just I'm just like, cool, great. I'm what's, pretty what's stoked next? about it. <laughs> are you? Yeah, yeah. I I definitely am a big fan of those games. I mean, I grew up with them, so yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, there's and there's a lot of people. Yeah, there's a lot of people that same in the same boat that have played them, you know, as they came out and are very much in that universe. And it's just, yeah, I just never got around to playing them. John, John, would Sora be your like dream final pick for for this final? Uh, you fighter? know, there I have a few though. I mean, Master Chief is up there too because I also yeah. grew up with Halo, um, and it would be insane. I mean, like it's just one of those characters that's like. Does this really fit here? It would be just such a mm. shocking and amazing way to end it. So I those are in the top. I also have a soft spot for Gino, which <laughs> has been asked for 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 who knows how long <laughs> and is a very like like a character that almost no one knows about. No one, you know, not many people have played Super Mario RPG as I've learned. But um the people who have have a huge, you know, I guess uh you know, they, we we all remember Gino. We all really want him to get in. So that is another top pick. And the the last one that I'll say that I'm like, that I would love if they get in is Waluigi because that would be just such a meme. <laughs> that would so, be yeah. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> my my vote is for Death from Death Gambit. Ooh, yeah, there you go, there you go. <laughs> now you know awesome. he's not coming because yeah. he wouldn't have been allowed to say that. <laughs> That's right. Or are you pulling one over us? It was, is this like a last second surprise that, that you guys are just tricking us into it? Sakurai <laughs> <laughs> would be very mad. <laughs> right. <laughs> Alex, are you, uh, are you a big Super Smash fan? No, not even slightly. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I definitely am. My roommate <laughs> is, and he destroys me every time, so I just stopped playing. Yeah. Yeah, I know that pain all too well. <laughs> But it's interesting too, though. So with this kind of wrapping up with this character, do we now start looking at what the future 
for that series is? Do you think they just let it ride out for a little bit? Are they already developing uh, something? I can't imagine that they wouldn't be, um, you know, already in the midst of, of maybe coming out with something uh, for the future. I don't, I mean, they don't, they've never had more than one smash on a console. So I, I would, I would oh. doubt that at least in the switch in its current form that we're going to get a new uh, smash, but the, the bigger question I have though, is like they poured so much into ultimate. Uh, it seems like whatever comes next would almost feel like an inevitable letdown if they don't do the same thing, bring everybody mm-hmm. that they have back plus add on new characters. So I, I feel like in one sense, they kind of have trapped themselves. Uh, so mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what comes next in, in a series like this when they've done as much as they have from ultimate, but uh It'll be interesting to see. I don't know, John. I don't know if you have thoughts on on where you could t- where you think they could take a series like this after Ultimate. That is an insane question. How do you follow up <laughs> one of the biggest like crossovers in gaming history? Um, but right. I, my theory is is that they will make another one, probably maybe in like five or six years. Um, mm-hmm. Just like how you know this whole Smash Bros took a long time since Brawl. Mm-hmm. Like it, yeah. it might take like a whole console generation for a new game. And my guess is the next one will focus on sort of like the sideline B Nintendo characters like Gino. Like they'll they'll start putting in all the characters that are like sort of more obscure in that uh-huh. new entry mm-hmm. when they do it. That's the only theory I have on it. I have no idea what they're going to do. I think that's a good theory. I mean, I kind of like that, too. I mean, it, it, it gives the game time to breathe. And for people to really enjoy it, they get to take their time in developing and in creating, you know, because it is difficult. Where do you go from there? So the next iteration's got to, you know, step up whatever whatever the case may be in terms of the game. So this game is thriving. It's going to continue to thrive. I'm excited to see what the future holds for this series. So good stuff. What do we got next, Lucas? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, it's PlayStation or Sony has officially acquired Bluepoint, which I think was been expected and rumored, but now it's kind of an official acquisition. Uh, Bluepoint is a very solid studio. Um, obviously, as you can see on screen there, they've done a lot of solid remakes and remasters. Uh, and it makes sense for Sony to do this. Uh, they've had a pretty good working relationship with blue point to this point. And so, uh, another good pickup, another good pickup, you know, it, it seems like this is where we're headed, where our big console makers are, uh, buying up studios and mm-hmm. it, it, it'll be interesting. Right. And, and we get to see that relationship grow. I, I would like to see blue point make some original stuff again. It's been a, a pretty long time. I can't remember the last original IP they kind of worked on. So I'm hoping that this kind of nudges them toward that too and uh, lets them away from some of the remakes. Not that they do a bad job. They do a great job with those, but I'm always for uh, seeing some new titles hit, uh, hit our shelves here. But I don't know, Ryan, what do you think about this? Yeah. I mean, this makes sense. And we had talked about this uh, with the acquisition of, uh, Housemark and and other companies that they've been they've already has this like long standing relationship with them. So it's kind of that mentality of 
there's no point in going outside. The people that you're already working with are, are doing doing fantastic job with the work they're doing. Let's go ahead and lock them in. in. It gives those studios this solid foundation now of resources. Now you've got that official Sony backing. So not only will they be able to work on their own title or uh, uh, titles that Sony wants, I'm hoping this also will give them those resources to be able to then create some original content too, because I would love to see more original, you know, I, I feel like we're kind of getting into this, this almost this habit of, of the, we were seeing so many remakes and remasters and I, I feel like it's happening in the film industry as well. And really what gets me excited is, and, and some of them, like, like you're saying, Mass Effect, uh, I'm, I'm really, really enjoying that. But again, I never played the originals. Um, it, I just want to see more, more original universes, more original characters and, and for them to be able to have the ability then, and hopefully the resources to do so, I, I think is, is really exciting. Uh, did this, did this move Alex surprise you as far as, uh, Sony, uh, and, and them working together and, and picking them up? I don't think so. It seems like a very like financially strategic move. Instead of outsourcing, you just bring them into the to the team. Yeah. Is are are there positives or negatives toward an acquisition like this from the studio side? Like, what, like if you guys were potentially looking at a deal down the road like that, what things would you consider creatively uh, beyond maybe the financials on on what might tip you one way or the other? Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, I I'm sure Alex will have his own thoughts too. But when someone acquires your own company. I'm it's it's tough because I've seen in the game industry a few companies that you know as soon as they're acquired everything kind of goes to shit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I, I know um I know quite a few you know situations where maybe the publisher didn't handle well or the developer didn't handle the transition well um and so yeah it's tough I I mean I think I think in this case Sony has done a very good job with pretty much every acquisition that they've done to my knowledge so I have no fear that it'll that it'll be okay but um, if someone were to acquire us, you know, one of the things that we care about is how much control do we have over our own destiny? You know, right. how much how much of the money goes towards our company and how much of that money goes towards Sony? And if it were in, in that case, Sony. So there, there's quite a bit to take into account. I don't know if Alex, you have your own thoughts. Yeah, I think giving them room to breathe is hugely important uh, because you acquired them for a reason, right? And ultimately... Mm-hmm. You want them to, you you want to elevate their creative vision, or and let them do what they want to do. So I think yeah. that's the biggest you part. Want, you want to retain talent too. I think one thing that can happen after acquisitions is some people may leave, and if you keep the same people, if the same people stay in the company, then then nothing should in theory change, and the quality remains the same of, of whatever they put out. So that's a big thing that I think the publisher would really care about. Yeah, that makes sense. That totally makes sense because there and there are too. Uh, from a consumer standpoint, we see such a surface level, uh, you know, pickup, whereas there's so many different moving parts in the background that are happening. And, and you know, for there's a lot of work that goes into that stuff. But, uh, you know, again, too, that that is huge. And, and obviously it's beneficial, uh, what seems like to both parties. So I, I don't imagine that we don't see more pickups like this from Sony as they continue building out as we see an Xbox has slowed down a bit, but uh, you know, we, we've seen Xbox 
make some huge uh, announcements and and pickups as well. So I I'm curious to see what this means for the future and what people are able and what they're going to be doing to develop and really truly developing within the the next generation infrastructure. I still kind of feel like we're we're still on the ground floor as far as what we've seen and the more time people get to to work within that environment and develop in that environment i think that um we're going to see a lot of really cool things as far as the next generation the other big thing too is is getting those those systems into people's hands um i don't know if you know it's just it's crazy to think that we're almost uh, a full year from launch of the next generation of consoles and there's there's still people are still having issues but obviously with the with the uh, uh, pandemic um, with the chip shortage there's so many you know working from home so many different factors it's such a weird uh, time for a a major console drop and it's definitely had its struggles so um, I'm excited again we were talking about 2022 and I think it's going to be a, a big year. Hopefully things settle down. They're able to get consoles in people's hands. And then we start seeing more and more games develop specifically uh, for the next generation in consoles. So should be good. Should be good. Um, yeah. Sony does it. We're glad. Uh, let's take a quick commercial break. And we're going to be on the back and talking Death's Gambit. We'll be right back, guys. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening to those short messages. And now comes the real fun part of the episode. And as we said at the beginning, Death Gambit Afterlife, uh, an amazing reception so far. I know that people are loving it, uh, both fans uh, of the original release and new players kind of getting their first taste into this universe. You know, Jean, let me start with you. When did you guys st- uh, start to talk about doing Afterlife, and what was the reasoning before it, for it? Um, when did we start developing Afterlife? Yeah, like uh, when did that kind of okay. come into your plans to 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 want to release it? Well, uh, development for this game is very odd. I mean, the reality is that it began when Alex and I were still in college, mm-hmm. um, and it honestly started as just a little little game maker engine I had been making on for in my free time. Um, and at some point I asked Alex to make some art for it. And I was like, wait a second, Alex, you can draw some really good pixel art. We, I didn't know that. <laughs> and it ended up looking super cool. And after that, we were like, okay, maybe this is going somewhere. Um, we started making what was originally a very Metroid inspired game. Mm-hmm. And we, we just worked on it on our side while we were, I guess, in, while we were still in college. And then by the time we were seniors, um, we had something decent to show, and we posted it in a few websites, including Tig Source, um, which is a, a, a pretty famous indie like development blog website forum thing. Um, and we posted it in a few other places. And then after we posted it, it like immediately got traction on a few game websites like Kotaku um, and PC Gamer. We had a few articles of just people just noticing it and, and telling people to check it out. Um, and after that happened publishers started reaching out to us that they saw those articles and were like, Hey, do you need a publisher? 
And that was kind of insane to us. And it kind of just snowballed from there. We definitely wanted to make it a game. And we, by the, by the time we were like in senior year of college, we definitely knew we wanted to at least kickstart it, if anything. Um, mm-hmm. But publishers were basically telling us like, no, 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 just, well, let, let us fund you. Um, Kickstarter can sometimes be challenging. And we agreed. I mean, I think if we had someone just give us, you know, some funding, we would be okay with just doing that instead of Kickstarter. And so we did so mm-hmm. um, after a round of, of pitches, we eventually decided to go with Adult Swim at the time. And basically, we just worked with them towards the original release. Um, we, we built up a sort of sort of team. It was still very small. It was still mostly Alex and I at the beginning. And then we slowly got um, more team members at the beginning. It was mostly other animators. And at one point, it, it was about it was about almost eight, nine full-time people at a certain point early in development, just getting tons of animations in because this game is just very animation heavy, mm-hmm. um, tons of characters. And so... Um, eventually we brought in more programmers too. I really wish we had brought in more programmers earlier, but <laughs> oh well, that is just how things go. And so eventually we we finished the original game and that is that is the process of how it was made. Um, it originally started as a very Metroid inspired game and eventually we decided to take the plunge into making it more Dark Souls-y. Um, and the reason why um, it was originally more Metroid-y was because I was afraid of coding melee weapons. I, I was I was like... I don't know how I'm going to have the time to make melee weapons satisfying. Like I know it's, it takes so much effort to make melee combat feel good, especially, you know, as good as Dark Souls. It's a huge effort. So I was like, we need to keep the scope small. But eventually we were like, ah, whatever, we'll do it. And the scope ballooned. <laughs> and, um, now we're here seven years later. <laughs> yeah. Too, so- too much. We never really stopped working after the original release. I think it got to a point where things were changing so much that we decided to stop releasing patches and then just kind of kept working until it reached the point where it became what Afterlife is today. Um, And we decided to make it its own free expansion. And it is a a hefty expansion. You know, it it almost... It al- it almost feels like a new game. Like there's so much new content. You know, there's what what almost ten new levels, new storylines. So, was w- was this all content that you guys had in your minds originally that you just didn't have the time uh, or budget for uh, at the beginning, or did these kind of develop uh, as you worked along and and saw new directions that you wanted to take some of this? It's a little bit of both because um, there there were some things that we wish we could have done for sure. Mm-hmm. I know there's, and I won't spoil it, but there's a secret character that appears at the end of Afterlife that, you know, I would have loved to introduce into the original game, but I didn't think we could do it justice without doing a lot more story content. And mm-hmm. that's what we did with Afterlife. But but it was not in the original plan to do it in Death's Gambit. You know, it was kind of like, oh, if we ever make a sequel, we'll put it in. <laughs> and we ended up just putting it into Afterlife. Um, so yeah, the the answer is a little bit of both because um, we we knew we knew, there were some things that we wanted to do and some things that we knew we really shouldn't do unless we exploded the scope even more. And so with this extra chance to add this massive expansion, we were like, okay, well let's let's not only do those things that we wanted for the original release that weren't in, but also do extra, do a little bit of you know some of the stuff that we had we had planned if we ever made a sequel. And so some of that stuff is in here. Um, and on top of that, we had a lot of responses from fans. Um, they wanted certain things to happen at the end of the story that sort of didn't happen. 
And we just kind of did those things because we, we felt that's what the fans wanted. Um, and it also felt natural for the game. Um, again, big spoilers, so I won't say them, but um, there's, there's like a few new endings at the end of the game. And uh, they kind of wrap up a lot of the story of the original release um, or, or the original version of the game. And uh, yeah, I, it seems fans are very happy that we were able to wrap everything up. <laughs> I really, yeah, you got to appreciate that. I do, and and I feel like something as far as with a game like Death's Gambit, just not only focusing and working and building on the mechanics of the game, obviously uh, the music and, and sound design have such a, a, a big influence. Um, just having it on a console like the Switch, um, how much do you feel that, you know, kind of really helped to, you know, and worked as a boon to people discovering and learning about the game. I think we, we've always had a call to put it on handheld uh, back to like the Wii, I think that's what it was, uh, to to the <laughs> PS Vita, uh, you know, back in the day. So when this the Switch released one year before the original Death Gambit came out. So obviously, you know, we couldn't initially develop for it at the time, mm-hmm. but uh, it became a very, it, it was obvious to us, you know, that we wanted to put it on Switch. Uh, but as development goes, it, things take time. So here we are now. Yeah, we had a lot of fans asking for a Switch port. I mean, they asked for a Switch port of everything, apparently. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but we got a lot of it. And we knew we wanted to do it. It just takes time. and And you can't just announce it. You have to like, you know, plan marketing around it and um, make a big splash. So, yeah, I'm glad we we waited to announce it. You know, on on a, a genre like the the Metroidvania slash Souls like games, uh, you know, we see a lot of classics, but we, I also know that it's a crowded genre. So, when you're approaching to to enter into this kind of arena, so to speak, what stands out? What makes a game stand out? Uh, in this type of game from from the rest of the pack like what what separates the best from from the rest of the pack that is that is such an amazing question (laughs) um i mean i mean i say that in that like there's so much to discuss i think like there's so much i would say (laughs) to that question i mean yeah there there's a lot of uh souls likes that are now out i mean when we originally announced this game there weren't many um, in fact, I think we were we were one of the first souls likes besides Dark Souls to mm-hmm. to to reveal themselves that were in development. Um, mm-hmm. And so our original goal was all right. Well, we'll be kind of Dark Soulsy, and that'll be what makes us stand out. But now with Afterlife, there we're not we're not the only ones. Um, we're also not the only Metroidvania. And so uh, there there's a few things that that I think helps us stand out. Not only do we have a massive world now, um, I think. Our world is one of the biggest in terms of just sheer like amount of areas. I think only Hollow Knight and La Mulana have maybe a little bit more, mm-hmm. but not much more. I mean, this this is a massive, massive game. So in that sense, that is one of the things that's going to help us stand out this time around. It's huge. And on top of that, I think our combat system is has one big difference from everything else. And I'm glad New World was mentioned in this podcast because um, MMOs were, were a little bit of an inspiration when it comes to the gameplay evolutions that we wanted to do. When when we started making this game, I was like, okay, how do we evolve the combat? What are we going to be doing differently? Um, and so we thought of a few things, and one of them was this aspect that you have like a set of abilities, 
And you have to, as you progress through the game, you learn that there's like a complex set of abilities and, and you have to learn in what order to press them in. That is 100% lifted from how MMOs do DPS rotations. Um, mm-hmm. And as you get to some of, some of the harder content in the game, you basically have to master that. And I don't think any other game really um, in this genre has attempted to do anything like that. And I think it adds an insane amount of depth um, to the game. I think whenever you fight a boss, you'll probably feel like, oh man, I could have done something differently to improve my gameplay almost every time. You know, you'll probably keep playing the game, the game over and over and over, and you'll still feel like there was something you could have improved because there's just so much depth to this system. And that's not the only difference. You know, we, mm-hmm. we made a few other things, uh, a few other features that I think helps us stand out from other Metroidvanias. Like, you know, there's um, the feather upgrade system where you can decide to have less healing items as you progress through the game, but you take you deal more damage and you can change how many heals you have mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. at any point in the game to increase your damage. And, and that changes everything. I mean, I think that that alone makes you constantly think uh, strategically about every encounter. The last one I'll mention, but there's quite a few other things, um, is that when you die to a boss, it actually gives you some experience based on how well you did. Mm-hmm. Um, ah. You'll see like a little, you'll see like a little boss result screen, and it'll tell you this is your like high score of how well you've done against this boss. Um, it'll show you where you got to on your best attempt, and you'll get experience based on how much better you did. Um, and hopefully that'll help players feel more encouraged to try again. <laughs> and so, mm-hmm. yeah, there, there's quite a few things that, that are like that. A, a few little features hidden, hidden sprinkled throughout the game that I think will help us stand out and help players feel like this is a fresh experience. Let me ask for somebody like me, I've played, I played uh, one of the uh, Dark Souls and I absolutely hated it. It was too hard. <laughs> it was too hard. And now, now, mind you, I was much younger. This was years and years ago. I haven't tried one since. But something like this, where do you find that balance between having and 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 developing something that is challenging and going to be challenging enough for players, but also at the same time, not too challenging to the point where somebody doesn't want to play it? I have a good story about this because you mentioned you <laughs> you you struggled a lot with Dark Souls, and this is a hilarious story because I'm working on a Dark Souls game. But when I first played Demon Souls when it came out, like the first year it came out, like no one mm-hmm. even like cared about this game. Someone just told me it was really good, and I was like, okay, I got to play it then. And I got to the Flame Lurker, and I raged, and I just turned in the game at GameStop, <laughs> <laughs> and I and like went like maybe like. When Dark Souls 1 was announced, I was like, nah, I got to go back. It was a good game. And so I I actually bought it again and I played it through and I was like, this is genius. This is a masterwork. I can't wait to play Dark Souls 1. And so I totally get it. These games are mm. not, you know, you you have to be patient. You have to know what type of game it is going in. You can't like be like, oh, I got, you know, I got a meeting in an hour. I hope I beat this boss really quick. And then you'll rage for sure because you'll be like, I didn't beat him in that hour. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of in a tangent right now. <laughs> but but yeah, um, so the question was, how do we know how difficult to make the game? Is that is that basically the question? Yeah, just kind of yeah. finding that balance, that good balance. We, we, in the original release, we didn't. I mean, I think we failed in a few spots to, to make a solid difficulty curve. I think we had some players fight the dark knight and, and die over 50 times because they didn't know there was a trick to it. There's like mm. a, you can kill these certain enemy, these enemies in the level before him. 
Um, and if you don't kill them, if you just run past them, um, they'll try to revive the boss. And some players thought it was, oh, okay, that's just how the boss works. And they defeated him even with that that really hard feature. And they thought the whole oh. game was just supposed to be that hard. Um, and so we, that was just one example of, of a few things that players ran into in the original release. But I think this time mm-hmm. around, um, we were way better with knowing what players, you know, would have issues with, partly because we had already released the game and we we noticed what players had issues with. Um, mm-hmm. And I we just we just learned as developers. You know, I think we I think I had a lot of a lot of stuff to learn as a designer with the original re- release. Um, and this time around, we added a lot of. You know, not only did we play test a lot with players that didn't have experience with Souls likes or Metroidvanias, but we added a few extra features um, and a few extra uh, changes to the bosses to make sure that they uh the players even without that much experience can beat them i know one of the big things that dark souls does is it doesn't give a lot of hp to its bosses but their attacks deal a lot of damage if that makes mm-hmm. sense um and sometimes mm-hmm. if you just get the good the good run you won't get hit by enough attacks and you'll beat it um and so we we one change we did was solar sort of decreased the hp and increased the damage they put out um so that's just one one of the changes we did to to some of the earlier bosses um but um but yeah there's a lot i kind of don't want to make the whole podcast about that one question <laughs> <laughs> no that makes there's sense a lot. Alex, so did you want to jump in and, and share some thoughts on that yeah it's an interesting question because everybody has uh their own threshold for how much difficulty they can handle we mm-hmm. <laughs> we got a recent review that actually docked us for making the game uh quote unquote too easy for him because he <laughs> oh, wasn't wow. dying 50 times he said in the original i died like you know 30 to 50 times on this boss this time i beat it in five and like for us three to five deaths is the sweet spot like that's pretty much when we want someone to beat the the boss i feel like i need to elaborate on that because i because yes um we did make some of the earlier bosses easier but some of the later game bosses are way harder too mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. it's just the the curve is better like the final boss, some people originally beat it on their first try, but this time around they won't. It's it's much harder um, because yeah, the difficulty curve was a little bit wrong, and so we fixed that. And three and three to five deaths, I totally agree, Alex, is is good for the first half of the game, but then in the later half, there's definitely bosses that you will probably die more. Um, so I just want to clarify because I think some players may find may find that. Uh, worrying. <laughs> so I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> it's still hard. You will die. <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys had mentioned that this was a love letter in part to the fans that, that have kind of uh, stuck with this game and, and enjoyed it from, from day one. And, you know, the, the chance to, to revisit this game, to add more content, to maybe tweak some things that you uh, wish you could have tweaked beforehand. Like that, that is kind of a rare opportunity. Like studios don't always get the chance to do that. So like how, how grateful are you guys for the chance to, to, you know, not only send this love letter, but reintroduce it to new fans and get that chance to spend more time in this world that you were, you were able to build up. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's important to mention that we just kind of, did it we didn't really have a huge backing or anything and Mm -hmm. it took an immense amount of sacrifice to get to where we are uh over the course of seven years i think john and i have both for for went 
like three years of pay just so that we could make sure that all our collaborators would, you know, <laughs> would uh, keep getting paid and, and keep being able to work on the project. And so it was really just, we didn't achieve what we thought we set out to do. And we wanted to make sure that the the legacy that we left behind with this game was uh, match the dedication that we had for it. That's yeah. Yeah, that's amazing to hear. John, did you want to uh, chime in on that? No, I think Alex really said it really well. I mean, we we worked insanely, you know, insanely hard um, on this, and we just wanted to, we like Alex said, we wanted um, this to have a lasting impression for our careers. Um, I think the original game deserved deserved a little bit better, and so this is why we we made Afterlife because we knew um, and we had heard from many others that. This game just needed a little bit more tweaks, just a little bit more. And it would have been a classic, you know, it would have been a hidden gem. Um, and so we did it because we believed in it. And I'm glad people are seeing that. What What about the future for this world? Like, where, where do you guys want to see this go? And, and uh, do you, I know I know that this just got released. So I almost feel bad for asking this. But have you guys thought about what's next? <laughs> I actually wrote a, a little short story in the in the in between time from uh, kind of finishing my part of development to release mm-hmm. uh and i had a blast just kind of like exploring the world and and writing about it from a purely narrative standpoint and not having to worry about mechanics or <laughs> anything like that <laughs> um and so that that was fun for me and i might go back to doing that but we had previously talked about p- potentially doing a sequel in like five or six years or something i don't know if you still feel that way john but yeah i mean i the reality is uh, this is such a long process that the idea of doing a sequel makes me want to you know get into fetal position um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so right now um you know we put a lot of the ideas that we wanted for a sequel in afterlife mm-hmm. um and you know, there are more ideas. There always is, you know, there's always an endless fountain of ideas for where we could take it. But um, for the time being, we want to explore other game ideas. And so we'll, pr- we'll definitely be doing something different for our next project, which we've already, you know, we've already been discussing. So we'll, we'll there are, it, it's possible. I just have no idea. Who knows what, what the future will hold for us in say five or six years. Yeah. When we, when we think about it again, but I don't know if we'll, I don't know if there'll ever be a sequel, but but yeah, because yeah. because developing this game has really put our sense of mortality into perspective. Like, <laughs> we kind of want to make something happier next. Time. Yeah, <laughs> it, it literally took seven years. So like at that rate, we can make like five more games. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> so definitely something a little bit easier, something we can get out faster. That's that's the goal, I think. And let me start with John real quick. Let me ask you, somebody that is looking to start going down this road, we know that, um, especially with games, really getting put into the spotlight, you have more people that are realizing that there's a lot of career opportunities to go down. Uh, what kind of advice would you would you give to someone that's just starting out or even just looking to say, oh, what what you know, what what all those video games and that industry offer? Uh, sure. Um, I think I think getting advice for getting into game development depends a little bit on the on the exact job you want to do. And I think if you want to be a producer, it's very different, you know, from from being a programmer or a designer. 
Um, mm. But at least for what I'm doing, which is like programming and designing, I think, I think the biggest thing is um, just make games on your own spare time. There's a few free engines online um, or with free trials that are absolutely amazing. And I started learning when I was in high school um, just because I just wanted to learn how to make games on my own. And, and yeah, you, you can Google Game Maker or Unity or Unreal Engine and you can start looking at examples of stuff people made online and looking how things were made and start making some things on your own. I would say that's that's one of the biggest things. And if you do go to college for something like game design or game development, just make sure you take some programming classes. Um, I think, especially if you're going to be in design and programming, one of the things that absolutely makes a killer portfolio is at least taking, you know, computer science 101 and data structures. I think those are tough classes. Programming is not easy. I honestly... <laughs> hated it. And I wish I could only just do design, but the reality is, um, <laughs> if you, if you want to 100% sure, want to, if you want to make 100% sure that you get a job, learn a little bit of programming <laughs> for sure. Those are some of my, uh, so a little bit of my advice, but if you're a producer or you're an artist, that's a very different route. You know, I think Alex could answer artist better and producing, you, you don't need to know programming at all. Uh, what about yeah. you, Alex? Yeah, I guess it's it's tough for me to kind of gauge what the AAA space is like how to get a job in the AAA space or anything like that because I've never really been a part of it um, but based on what I've seen uh, from other artists I follow and things like that obviously just having a portfolio in in a bunch of different places but keeping track of of your processes are extremely important uh, and just breaking down how you how you do stuff how you got from the the initial concept to your ultimate goal and things like that you know if, if i can touch uh touch on death gambit here just just for a little bit more um having multiple endings is, is always great because as you guys mentioned you get to flesh out some more things you know maybe close some some story loops that uh fans have been clamoring for do you but do you guys have in mind when you create a game with multiple endings of like the the quote true ending or like the 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 run through of, of storylines that that you would consider like the 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 first <laughs> the first one that came to your mind if that makes sense is the question is do we have a true ending well like like it's more like when when you have multiple endings like were there some that like that that like when you were creating this from a creative process that you're like yeah that's the one that came to my mind first like that's my yeah. my quote true playthrough almost i don't know if alex you want to go first but i think we did well just just um in the original game we had a stat called fear um and that didn't play as big of a role as we initially wanted it to. So we kind of reworked it into Afterlife as will. And I'm not going to explain what it does beyond that. With the story, you know, you talked about how you incorporated a lot of what would have been in a potential sequel to Death's Gambit into Afterlife. So did that change uh, how you approach the story in this? Like, did that affect what you left in and what you took out? That's a good question. No, I mean... Uh, it, it is not exactly, you know, what would have been a sequel because we had to also take care of the original game's world. And so mm -hmm. there, there was just no way to do it unless we actually made a sequel. But the, the pieces that would have been for a sequel definitely uh, showed up 
in a form in our game. And a lot of it is spoiler, so it's hard to talk about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. sense. It makes but, sense. But yeah, there, there's a few things that would have just been expanded upon more. There's, there's a part in the tour ending where you go to a secret final area where you fight the secret final boss once again. Mm. Um, and uh, you're alongside a lot of characters in there. And that whole area would have probably been what the entire second game takes place in. Um, okay, and okay. I don't want to spoil it, but for people who know what I'm talking about, that probably would have been where the entire second game takes place in. But, but it's sort of a smaller area in this one, um, just because it's just how, how we had to fit it in. Um, but I think people will be pretty happy with it anyways, because it's really cool. So. Perfect. Last question for me. You know, you talked about legacy. What do you ultimately hope this game's legacy will be? And uh, what do you hope fans take away from it? Alex, you can go first. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope the story is meaningful. I know even in the original release, we had uh, we received quite a few messages from people about how uh, it affected them, how they were able to move on from the death of a, of a relative. Or yeah, I guess on, on my end, I, I just hope they, they, they think we made a good game. You know, <laughs> I, we worked very hard on this and um, it's a game that I really believed in. I made it because this is the type of game that I love. This is the type of game I wanted to play. And so, I yeah, I just want I just want other people to be like, oh, they finally made this type of you know hard, challenging Metroidvania that I've been looking forward to um, that no one had made before in, in this same style. And I hope uh, I hope some people feel that way because um, it's just a game that I wish existed. And so I made it. That's pretty much it. You know, with with obviously. With, with the help of an amazing team and Alex, John. So, yeah. Love it. Thank you again, John, Alex. Thank you guys so much for coming and, and taking the time and sitting down and speaking with us. Death's Gambit Afterlife is out now uh, on the Switch. $17.99. Go pick it up. I'm definitely going to check it out. I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a shot. And <laughs> you said, could you speak to me? Because I do love the uh, the uh, uh, Metroidvania games. It's the Dark Soul aspects of it that are frustrating. But again, that was a long time ago. So I, I recommend other people check it out as well. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thank you guys. Yeah. Absolutely. Lucas, what do you got going on this weekend, my friend? I am still trying to plow through Diablo 2. I'm like determined to finish that game now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got my eyes set on it. Uh, that's probably it gaming-wise. Uh, that, that's my focus. Um, I'm trying to get better at, at finishing games in a timely manner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We'll, we'll see if that works out. Oh, Ryan, I, I do have a question for you, and I think you already I, know what the I, is. I'm going to ask, <laughs> how many missions? Still four. Still four. Four <laughs> missions left in Metal Gear Solid Five. The the uh, charity stream is next month. I'm just gonna go ahead and pay Lex the money now. Uh, it, it goes to a good cause, but I'm still gonna try to challenge myself. One of these days, I will finish this game. But between between New World, between Destiny, I still need to finish Death Loop. I still need to finish Returnal. My life is melting. Uh, eventually, I'll get a grip and and stop but uh <laughs> we shall see so it's gonna be busy uh busy weekend and week of video games for myself but uh we'll we'll, we'll see how we do i'm gonna do it again i got i got uh in in sound mind um uh, it's 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 the chances are looking slimmer and slimmer by the day 
Uh, however, thank you guys so much for joining us again. We really appreciate it. Uh, again, check us out on the tweeters at Land Parties Pods, at Lucas Egan, or at Smitty2447. We hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week. And you know what it is. We love your faces. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.